0: Hi everybody, it's Josh, we've been joined by my friend uh, Mark Pattison with Porchlight Realty in San Diego. Mark and his team are one of the leading producers in all of San Diego County. Uh, Mark is on to a banner start to 2020, even in the face of all of the uncertainty and the volatility in the equity markets. Mark, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Mark, can you tell us a little bit about sort of your background, where you got started and and
1: you know how you started Porchlight? Yes. So I uh, moved to San Diego because of the weather. So I said I'm I'm done living in Chicago, and I'm originally from Seattle. And so I picked San Diego solely because of weather. And I said I'm going to become a real estate agent. So I got my California license when I moved down here, and ever since then uh, was a solo agent. Was on a team. Started my team about three and a half, four years ago, and just been going along ever since. So. It's uh first time in real estate though. I never did this before.
0: Wow. That's incredible. So solo agent and then you joined a team because you saw that that was sort of the trajectory of the business. Yep. And how long were you on that team for? I was there for a year. Uh-huh. So and I became
1: the just- number one agent quickly and then uh decided I think I could do this. Well, actually I was at a Tom Ferry event and a girl in front of me heard me speaking and she's like, "We should build a team together." So we formed a team that day, and all of a sudden I became a <laughs> with one year of real estate business experience. So uh, it was a little early, but it worked out. And so you started that team with this young woman in front of you,
0: and uh, talk to us about, about the experience of that sort of first year and the bumps in the road and mistakes that you made and how you overcame them.
1: Oh, definitely. So between where I'm at now and if I looked back and had to start over exactly where that was, I don't think I would do it again. So round one or version one of the team was completely different than what it is today. When you were running a team, I felt like I was just doing this out of like, I had no idea what I was doing. One, I didn't have much experience for myself. I think I had listed uh, maybe three or four properties on my own. And I had a team where we started buying and selling properties and listing properties in San Diego. And I really didn't have much insight but i had a good good surrounding base so i had really good vendors that i could ask questions to and my team could you know rely on but from that original team there's not one person left uh it's been version after version and now it's been the the team that's here today has been here for a good year and a half two years of the same people we add people but people rarely leave
0: yeah that's interesting so what do you attribute that to specifically in terms of the the team's loyalty and and the length that they've been with you in this uh, version of it.
1: There's there's people on my team that are making a few people on my team that are making over three hundred thousand dollars take home themselves. So they know without porch light and without the team and the culture, they're not going to do that somewhere else, even if they've been in the business for a while. So they love the systems, the the way that we run our huddles. We keep people accountable. I think it's very hard if you're a solo agent. There's only a few of us that want to be just go, go, go all the time. A lot of yeah. us need accountability.
0: So it's, a, it's a, a question of accountability and also having each other's back, it sounds like.
1: For sure. So, for example, one of my agents went to the hospital. Uh, he got in a mountain bike accident probably about a week ago. And he calls me at 11 o'clock at night. I don't know why I was awake, but I still was awake and answered his call. And he's like, Mark, I'm in the hospital. I don't know what happened and sure enough he ended up having a bunch of appointments the next day and within 20 minutes of me texting the team text all of his appointments were covered no commission splits no sharing money no paying anything it's just hey we got your back man and so he's one of our top agents he's like one or two on the team right now and everyone covered all of his appointments including myself i went on a a final walkthrough with one of his buyers uh- wow. For him, So it's just everyone's got each other's back. It's really that that family community. I think that's why people stick around.
0: That's remarkable. And uh, what were some of the biggest mistakes that you made in in the first year of having the team?
1: Not knowing who to hire. So definitely, I feel like when you hire someone now, it's you know a little bit more about what to look for. You still don't know what someone's work ethic is going to be. But when you're starting out, I feel like it's very hard to characterize who you want your team to be. So if you're a solo agent thinking about starting a team. I would really reflect on teams that you respect in your marketplace and look at the characteristics of the agents that are on their team. So we have core values now that we follow. No one ever broke those too much before, um but it's just, you know, ethics, you know, the honesty thing that's a must for our team. But it's it's hard to know that before when you're interviewing. You can ask someone if they're ethical and they're going to be like, "Yeah, I'm I'm ethical." <laughs> you don't really know what <laughs> actually happened when you uh when shit hits the fan for lack of better words, but you know, when, when they get pushed and shoved in different ways and when commission checks get involved, um, you know, so that's just one of the things that we really stand to is ethics and honesty, telling the client what they need to hear, not what they want to hear really future pacing the client and understanding the process, sticking to our processes, because if it's streamlined, man, our system works really well, but if you don't follow our systems, it's going to mess everything up. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's really systematized and it's been working great for us.
0: And can you tell us a little bit more about this, the systems specifically?
1: Yes. So we'll sell almost uh, 350 plus deals this year and we have two transaction coordinators and no admin. So that right there, people are like, what the heck? So we have no two admin. Two
0: transaction coordinator, co- coordinators and no admin?
1: Nope. So uh, everything we do, I mean, it's, it's, we're just really streamlined with doing everything. So when you go on an appointment we're showing our buyers, which in our price point, it's a little bit easier to do this. And I know in a higher price point, it's a little bit hard. You're not going to show a buyer three houses and have them buy something. You know, our buyer cycle is like you meet them and you're probably going to have them in escrow in the next two weeks. So our lead and our conversion is super high. Um, and that, with that being said, our price point's a little bit lower, but I prefer a lower price point with quick turnaround time and tons of referrals than yeah. a super high price point that doesn't move and groove. So- um, uh, that's where we've been really focused on. For example, like listing appointments. We don't need a listing coordinator because if you go on a listing appointment, you bring your lockbox in your hand, you show up, they're like, well, what's that for? And you say, well, that's what I'm going to put on your door. When I leave <laughs> you're, you already got it there. You text the sign company when you leave the house and there'll be a signpost in their yard the next day. Um, it's really quick. We partner with really good vendors to where our marketing, we don't necessarily have to do, we have templates set up so we can just go on our, our lenders template and type in 123 Main Street, upload the photos real quick, or have their team do it, and we'll have open house flyers or uh, property flyers within seconds.
0: Wow, that's incredible so, it, that you've gotten everything you know, down to a science, practically.
1: Yes, and it's funny, is like there's, there's teams that have a very high uh, admin staff. I think like a low price point, you need to have a ton of admins so the agents can do insane volumes. Um, but my agents, there's a girl on my team that'll do 52 deals this year. And she has a newborn. And she has a newborn baby.
0: A newborn! Wow! Yeah, congratulations!
1: Her baby's probably probably six months old, and she'll do fifty-two deals this year.
0: That's fantastic. And Mark, talk to us a little bit about your sort of lead generation and where you find most of your business is is coming from.
1: So we are a, a huge fan of online leads. I think it's important that you track and measure. Some people hate Zillow and realtor.com and they have different viewpoints on it. For me, I found out that Zillow wasn't as high of an ROI. So I took my Zillow spend and I moved it over to realtor.com because my ROI was so much higher. It's super important to track everything, each zip code, because some zip codes, if you buy a cheap zip, you'll end up getting a bunch of cheap leads like mobile homes in San Diego. And no one loans on them. It's a pain in the butt. We just don't deal with it So if you don't focus on where your leads are coming from you're gonna start hating that lead source But if you really focus on price points and going through it, so realtor.com We do a lot of online lead generation for homebuyer seminars yep. So one of our main uh, so probably of our 300 and something deals this year. We'll do probably 150 military so San Diego is a huge military presence that's going to be our number one buyer side. And then now also, because our team's getting a little bit more experienced, those buy sides that we were doing a couple years ago now are turning into listings. Um, but I would say the majority of them are going to be a military buyer.
0: That's great. So predominantly Zillow and, and Realtor.
1: Yes. And online lead gen, we would do through Facebook. We do Lopo. Mm-hmm. So any lead that comes into our system from Fire or into Firepoint. So it's Firepoint, Lopo, front end, back end. Uh the user sees the YLOPO side. The agent sees the FirePoint side. So where you log all your CRM stuff. Lead comes in through Realtor.com, hits that system. It then starts targeting them and sending them ads on their Facebook and on their Google. So they see us all the time. So I think that helps our conversion. Also, it redirects them back to our site. So it, uh, there's an AI with YLOPO that'll text them and say, hey, you inquired about 123 Main Street. It's a three-bed, two-bath. Here are three other ones. And the computer actually pulls those three other ones and sends it to their email and to their text. Wow. That's Uh, incredible. And And that's all through Y Lopo. Lopo. And so you get a text back and it'll just say, uh, hey, you're like this right here. I just got these texts this morning and it says, your lead, John Evans, just requested a showing uh, for 219 B Street. And it tells me that this person wants to see this house.
0: That's incredible. Wow. So it
1: automates it for you, and I'm like, "What's well, 219 B Street?" Well, it's sent from my assistant because the y Lopo AI says, "This is Mark's assistant. Here are some properties."
0: That's incredible. Yeah. Huh. And I've had and that so, AI
1: on wrong, talking about technical difficulties. I've had that AI on and send it to my clients in escrow, and they'll respond back, "No, Mark's doing a great job." And I'm like, "Oh shit, I turn that off."
0: <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta know when to uh, start and stop that AI.
1: Yeah. If the lead responds, it automatically stops if they say something. So that's good. But if you don't, if you put a lead in there, like you met them at an open house or a referral, it'll just start going after them.
0: Yeah. I I can imagine. What's your ROI typically on your, uh, on your total spend?
1: Very high. So my expenses monthly are probably, I think right now I'll have to look because I just got some discounts from COVID. I hit up every vendor for the discounts even though we were still crushing it, I was like, might as well take advantage of the 60% off. Uh, sure. Right now, I think our expenses are around 15,000 a month. And our net uh, after, well, before taxes is about, um, I mean, the last two months, maybe almost 200 each month.
0: Okay. Got it. That's, so, that's a pretty,
1: pretty good return. Yeah, it's about, good.
0: Uh, somewhere between... It's like about fifteen times or something like that. Twelve.
1: Yeah, we're doing we're doing pretty pretty good returns. Our Realtor.com's dot uh, lead spend is only probably right now about ten thousand dollars a month.
0: Got it. Cool. That's great. And so um, here in New York, you know, we're we're pretty impacted by by the coronavirus and COVID nineteen. Uh, in fact, the stay at home order is uh, is still in place officially through May fifteenth. But I spoke to somebody that is uh, fairly plugged in. Uh, both to the local and federal level government. And uh, uh, he was saying that it might be June. Um, And so with that, uh, buildings are not permitting um, non essential work. So if you say buy an apartment or buy a home uh, here in New York, um, you're probably gonna wanna refinish the floors. You're probably gonna wanna paint. Um, Not many of them are are super turnkey where you can literally bring a toothbrush. so you're going to want to do those things and, and some of our deals that are in contract people are trying to push it out until they can actually do the work that they want to do because they don't want to have to pay for something that they can't live in themselves which is understandable so our market has been has been pretty impacted by it because we can't show homes can't can't uh, um, you know we can take listings but we can't show the listings it's even difficult to get photographs and floor plans done So, you know, when you when you shift that to to San Diego, uh, has there been any impact in your market uh, from from the coronavirus?
1: Definitely as a city and county wide, there's been an impact. I think its sales are down 40 Mm percent, but our team is up because I felt that all the one off, two off agents that just sell a few here and there, they're out. So because of that, our team is really picked up. And also I feel like anyone looking to buy or sell a house right now is looking to buy or sell a house right now. They're not just looky lose. So our team personally has not been impacted. When we first got all the news of everything that was happening, I kind of was a little scared because I've only been an agent in the good times. I didn't know what it's like to hustle. So I, I hustle, but I don't know what foreclosures are like. I don't know what short sales. I didn't know what to do. Uh, so, but with my, uh, my coach and everything, we talked about it and and sure enough, we just kept putting them in, putting them in escrow, putting them in escrow one after another. And then I was looking at the data for the city. And I noticed that the sales for the whole city were down, but for some reason, our team was up. And I just, I, I just put that to is like, my team had reserves, so they weren't worried. We didn't, we're not living paycheck to paycheck. So if we don't make the sale, it's going to be okay. So financially, my team is super stable individually and as a team. So we weren't worried about what was going to happen next. So we just kept working. I yeah. think that fear and worry can ruin everything. Families, teams, you know, your work ethic, everything. Cause you just sit, have a pit in your stomach. And if I've set my team up that if you get a new car on my team, it actually, we frown upon it. So when you show up with your new Tesla, which some of my agents have, we're like, Oh, you're an idiot. Yeah. We're not like, oh, show me your new car. We're like right. <laughs> so I asked a couple of my agents, I was like, Are you guys worried about coronavirus? And they're like, No. And I was like, Why? And he goes, Mark, I have two hundred and sixty thousand dollars on my checking account. <laughs> He's like, I could not sell a house. He was like, and my bills are like three thousand a month. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I could retire. Because I've taught them to just live so frugal and just because yeah. you know what's going to happen. And so I think with that, we weren't ever worried. And all of a sudden we're just still crushing it. So our teams are all like a new girl. on My team sold six houses this month.
0: Wow. And talk to us a little bit, a little bit about your sort of ramp up for the new agent and and what that looks like.
1: Yeah. So I had an online website. So what I found, because I have no admin, I don't have anyone to onboard them. So I found that I was going, Hey, do you have a minute? Hey, do you have a minute? Hey, do you have a minute? And I kept being like, "Ah, I got to do my own stuff. So I started recording everything and I put it all on a website. So when I have a new agent on board, I had it on a third party website. That website kind of had some issues. So I'm redoing it on my own personal website where it's password protected and yeah. the new will come on and just start going through all that information. Now, anything that I do that I teach to my new agents or my experienced agents, I test them. So if I talk about 1031 exchanges, better be ready for a pop quiz at the end of that meeting. Yeah. Uh, We'll do pop quizzes on team huddles. We'll do uh, information about, so basically when they go out into the field, they almost know everything about real estate. And I get compliments from other agents all the time about how clean people's offers are, because it's how often you get an offer and you're like, who wrote this? (laughs) Like, did your broker ever teach you? So before even they get into writing offers, they're sending me sample offers, one after another after another. I don't even have time to review them half the time but I want them to get so comfortable with writing offers that when they actually go to write a real one, they're ready to go. Yeah. So that
0: makes sense. So you're sort of teaching them from somebody who has success as an agent in that market, how to do things right. You've recorded these modules in such a way so that the, the new agents, all they have to do is plug and play the modules. And, you know, it, it's sort of like, you know, what uh, DJ, uh, De La Sala down in St. Augustine, Florida the other day told us about running plays that work. So you're essentially teaching them the plays, these modules serve as the playbook, and you're saying, hey, here's how to be successful here in San Diego. It's just, you know, plug and play.
1: Yep. And we already got the systems in place. I can say, if you do this, you will make X. It's yeah. math. And we've right. got the system so well done. Like I talked to DJ and Lindsey every single day. So that's another thing, surrounding yourself with amazing people that can help bring you up. I think that's why I got here so quickly is all the Tom Ferry people that are so free with their time and willing to help. And in return, I've done the same to them. You know, I come across an amazing lead source or a new kind of entry. I'm going to say, hey, guys, you need to call these people. And we share a lot of information. So surround yourself with good people. I think that's definitely a good tip. And then that plug and play thing is like I can take any agent that's willing to work hard, add them in, and they're going to, they're going to crush it. Awesome. And so
0: going forward, uh, once we get on the other side of this as more and more uh, states and counties uh, lift the stay at home order, what do you think happens to the broader market?
1: I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be fine, but I'm not an economist, so I don't know too much. Like I said, I was pretty naive. When I bought my first place when I was 20 years old, I didn't know the home values went like this all the time. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> how knew it I bought my first place in 2007 and the market went but I kept on to it. And I think that's the same as like, there's always going to be sales, whether it's an up market or a down market, the good agents are going to be here to sell the properties and, you know, helping our clients, whether they're going through divorce, going through situations, which by the way, that's a, a very good lead source right now is divorce sales. We've had a ton recently, not shockingly it's because of the situation. And, uh, I think that's probably where we're going to just thrive because we're going to be fine, whether it's good or bad. So I haven't worried too much. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's interesting. So you're basically taking
0: advantage of this shift that you really kind of saw coming and you're able to find these opportunities within it to make you and your team and the overall production and experience more efficient and stronger so that you can come out of it
1: stronger still. Yeah. I mean, all of our vendors, because they work with multiple teams, they're messaging me every day, like, what are you guys doing? So, I mean, that alone to me shows we're crushing it and we're just going to keep going. It actually fuels my fire, uh, knowing how well the team is doing and the team is super competitive. So they're loving this. And and I think that San Diego, I don't know, I think we have such a strong military presence here. We're a little bit different of a town. I mean, those jobs are so secure and we're already such a low housing inventory that it's, I think it's going to be very hard for our market to shift. Um, we're seeing multiple offers. Like every single house I sold in the last week, I probably sold six myself and there's every single house I wrote an offer on and got accepted. They had multiple offers on that property.
0: Really? Yeah. Wow. So mm-hmm. is there a specific strategy that you're engaging to, um, to ensure that your buyers are positioned well, so that uh, you know, they come out victorious in a multiple offer situation?
1: hundred percent. It's very rare that I get beat. So smooth all you can and smooth the entire escrow process. And if, even if crap hits the fan, be very nice because four years later, you're going to do another escrow with that same agent again. Uh, or, you know, and, and like the way we write our offers, it's just very clean. We do the same offer template. So we order our appraisal within 24 hours. We put that on the contract. That's something that easily can be done. Might as well just make it really quick. So any seller just wants to make sure in San Diego, the buyer has 21 days to back out. Why don't we try to shorten that as much as possible so that the the seller is more secure and they can move on whether they're buying their next house or moving. And that's what we do with everything. We shorten every contingency period to a very short period as much as we can with the lender. And just a really clear offer letter and we copy and paste it every single time, talks about the job security of your buyer, Because right now i think job security is just as or more important than the price and we also talk about our team and how how many we have pending and how many have gone uh canceled due to COVID and why and we put the examples so that they know we're not having cancellations and we're still crushing it and we put our zillow link to show our reviews
0: huh that's interesting
1: so so you're basically not only conveying
0: the offer you know the sort of basics about about what the number is, what contingencies there are, if any, uh, who the buyer is, but you're including sort of, you know, your background as well, like, hey, here's who we are. Here's what we've done. Here's what we're doing. Here's why it's working and what issues we've run into. And by the way, just in case you'd like to learn a little bit more about us, here's our Zillow profile.
1: Yep. And it's like, we know what we're doing. And they respond back and they're like, can I copy this letter? And I'm like, yeah, take it. (laughs) I I dropped off masks, gloves, and hand sanitizer to two agents, and I got my offers accepted. <laughs> I'll do anything.
0: <laughs> That's incredible. Really good. Like, yeah, extra beyond.
1: mask. I'm like, I've got masks, gloves, booties, hand sanitizer. I'll make you a little baggie. Made them like packs of ten for everything. Huh? Yeah. So anything to get my clients' offers accepted, but they did have the best offer too. Well, that that helps, right? Yeah.
0: And so in those in those situations where you're seeing, seeing these deals go into contract or go into escrow over the asking price is there sort of an average uh above the ask that you're seeing no
1: it's uh i would say it's at 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 asking if it's the first week in san diego it's at asking very rare are we going over a bunch um, of the six i just recently sold only one was over price, like over asking so it's, it's not a ton. I know that in San Francisco and other markets, it's like 100,000 over asking. No contingencies. That's not the same. San Diego, it'll be, if it's like a $500,000 price point, that's just super entry level for a home here. So many people want that, that house that that will go over to like 520. So it's not a huge over asking. Got it. Just enough though, to, uh, to get the seller's attention. For sure. And like a big thing that we write in there is a contingency saying, hey, if the home doesn't appraise, because we have appraisal issues, yep. and if the home doesn't appraise, then we can come in with the dollar amount, writing that in the offer, you know. Yeah.
0: So you're getting out in front of a prospective low appraisal by saying, hey, you know, we understand that you're asking, you know, $495. we are going to uh, agreement uh, at 520 and in the, event, in the event that the house doesn't appraise, we'll, we're still willing to pay X amount.
1: Yeah, and if it doesn't, then we'll renegotiate. You know? and, and the people really like that because you're future pacing the situation. I think the biggest advantage you can ever have with buyers, with listing agents, with your sellers, is understanding the full situation and future pacing and communication. We yeah. give our clients updates every single day via email. I'll write my email updates to them every day while we're in escrow, at least every other day. Hey, this is where we're at. This is the remaining timelines. Cause you know when you're out and about and you get those calls and you can't answer it and you're like, crap, that's my seller asking what's going on. Well, yeah. if you emailed them at five in the morning, they're not going to really ever ask you cause they just know you're going to get the next update the next day.
0: Yeah. It's training. Yeah. And so and these are all written by you. It's not like they're, they're not like templates and they're not auto-generated or anything, right?
1: No, they're all written by me. Yeah. So it takes a little bit of time, but we keep everything really streamlined. We have all of our escrows in a place where you can copy and paste the timeline super easy. Yep. And a lot of times I'll just reference the previous email and I have a big whiteboard at my home office. This has all the dates up on a board. So I just look at it and I'll just like type the dates out as quick. You know, it takes me probably three or four minutes for each email. Got it. I don't write longer than like two sentences. When <laughs> I see a paragraph email, I'm like, God, why is someone writing that? Yeah. I mean, sometimes just
0: short and sweet and to the point, here's where we are. And, you know, you'll hear from me tomorrow. That's- and the
1: more, the more like effort you put into those things, the more they think it's serious. Sure. It's like yeah. termites done. Uh, the pest control reports back. We're good to go. And they're like, okay.
0: cool. Thanks. Yeah. That's all there is. Yeah. You
1: know, sometimes that's all
0: they, that's all they need. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> um, and so, you know, how do you find most of the agents on the team?
1: They all come to me. So through Instagram, through referrals, I actually had an agent on my huddle this morning. He's getting licensed. He's a bartender or a restaurant manager in the area. One of the top agents in San Diego met him through like a meeting through something. And
0: Something's the top
1: working or Diego, Yeah, He doesn't have a team. And he's like, you, you should talk to Mark Patterson. So this kid Instagram me and said, hey, I, you know, this agent told me about you. Would you be interested in chatting and that's how this new kid came to me and it's always through that way it's just the um the online presence of people and sure enough as soon as that guy told him about our team he started googling us and he's like man you guys are impressive so that helps
0: yeah absolutely and well, i like Mark, i gotta I, tell you
1: oh go ahead. go ahead go ahead i'm sorry oh i like newer agents so i like people because i feel like i you know you know if, if someone's more experienced And they're more experienced than myself. I sometimes think one, why haven't they already been successful? Like, why do they want to join a team Two, what am I going to teach them? Like, is this relationship going to be awkward? And so my, my favorite people are like bartenders, waiters, those types of people that just want to get into real estate and that are very coachable and just good people. And I can mold them into what we need to make them.
0: You know, that's interesting. I've heard that before because these people are outgoing and, you know, some of them might ha- might have an acting background and, and there is a degree of <clears throat> acting and presentation to what we do in terms of, uh, you know, just sort of putting on a show <clears throat> yep. to, to a certain extent. Um, I remember back in 2010, <clears throat> I was um, at a uh, Yankee game with uh, a – old past client of mine and uh now he's become one of my closest friends and we were going through the process of buying buying a home for uh he and his wife and their kids and um you know i'm very patient with with people that i work with you know and i i don't try to sell them one way or the other but as they get to know me they can tell that i'm not as excited about a home um and so uh he was sort of fatigued in the process he had seen 172 apartments fortunately the majority of those were before he met me so i met him in the final sort of 25 percent or so of his search process and together we had seen probably 15 or 20 which is still quite a few for an agent working with a buyer i mean you were telling me earlier that you know most of your agents can meet a lead and you know they'll show them three houses and they'll probably buy one well in this case i had shown this guy probably 15 or 20 apartments long story short uh we found an apartment that sort of ticked all the boxes as far as size quality location value etc but I could just, I mean, he knew that I wasn't into it. I knew that he wasn't that into it, but he was just like ready to throw in the towel. So we made an offer. It was accepted. Uh, He did not sign the contract yet because, of course, in New York, we do due diligence in advance of signing the contract. And so when you sign the contract, there's no way to get out of it, really, unless you're declined for financing, which seldom happens in a normal market. And so, but I, you know, I was... Still going through new listings every day because that's a habit of mine. You know, once or twice a day, I just see what's coming on the market, what's going pending, what's what's closed. And so there was a listing that came on the market. And it was absolutely perfect for him. I mean, perfect to a T to the point where I was like, oh, my God, this is the one. And so I had this inner dialogue with myself. I said, we're pretty far along in this other process. He's about to sign a contract. It's fine. Just let him do that. But then I said, you got to tell him about this because it's the perfect place so i gave him a call i said gene look i know you're happy with that place on 13th street but believe it or not there's another place that is larger has more light is in just as good a location and is more or less it's, it's within your budget so we should go and see it he said all right so he we went and saw it and uh you could just tell it was like a light bulb went off over his head and it was like this aha moment where we had found the one, yeah. And, and uh, so he pivoted, and we started to focus on this other property. Negotiated, got our offer accepted. So we're at the Yankee game, sitting next to one another, and he said, "Do you think it's worth it?" And I said, "And I said, uh, Gene, to be honest with you." I don't think anything's worth it, but it's really about the value that you place in it, right? Yeah. And you can apply that to any market because if you're in San Diego selling five hundred thousand dollar homes, you know you could easily easily look back in time and see when that same house might have sold for one hundred fifty thousand or two hundred fifty thousand. So, you know what something is worth is really only relative to the market that you're in. And yep. I'm, I'm not the market. You're not the market. Gene's not the market, but it's a question of what is someone willing to pay for an asset? And so, you know, essentially we're, we're acting or we're actors within the market, right? So we're facilitating and we're helping people get through the process and we're helping them understand both where they are in the process and where the value is relative to the market.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I get that question all the time. What would you pay for it? And I said, well, it's your home. (laughs) Right. You got to, you're the one that has to live here. That's my favorite line. You're the one that has to live here. Do you like it or no? I always say that as well. It's, it's not a maybe in my market because just like you, we don't sign into contracts. Like we're not committed to the home until later on. And I say, you know, it's either yes or it's or yes or no. There's no maybes in my book. And also if you ever talk once about the countertops not being a reason you're going to buy the house, I'm going to shake you because <laughs> countertops can be changed. Uh, yeah, all
0: that stuff can be changed. Paint color. I, I saw something the other day where the, you know, the, the woman said that she didn't like a house because the color of the paint, I'm like, oh, well, that's, yeah. that's their paint. You know, well, do you like her eyeshadow too? Cause you know, <laughs> you know,
1: that can change. So yep. I say so those on the line too. And I'm like, and they go, well, you know, we want to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, hey, this isn't HDTV, but right. you are only going to get to see three homes. So you better pick one. <laughs> I do Boy, that that.
0: This has been great. Thanks so much for taking the time out. One final question for you. You know, we, we obviously know each other through the uh, Tom Ferry ecosystem. We both have business coaches that have been uh, phenomenal for us. Um, but one question for you. Do you have a, uh, a hidden talent that not many people know about?
1: Ooh, uh I don't know if it's a hidden talent. It's kind of weird is my family owns roller skating rinks uh, since 1920. And so my parents have had roller rinks and my family has had them for over 100 years. We have seven of them. And so I'm a very good roller skater, <laughs> which is wow. very random. And uh, all of the Olympic athletes uh, are trained by my family. So anyone who's in the Olympics for ice, for speed skating, they all come from my family. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So, so are you a competitive speed
0: skater in your uh, past?
1: was until I was about, I, I think the, actually I skated in, um, when I was like 24, I was like, I'm just going to do this for fun one more time. And I won yeah. regionals. Uh, really? I got back on skates, but I had not skated since I was like 12 competitively. Once I hit kind of that high school age, I was like, I'm done with this. I'm yeah. going to go have some fun. Uh, but yeah, I was a competitive speed skater, ice and inline speed skater. So, but I grew up with uh, Apollo Ono is probably the most famous winter athlete from my dad. Uh, yeah. Selsky, There's a new girl that's coming on. Her name's Corey Stoddard. Uh, but basically, anyone who's famous in the winter Olympic athletes in the ice uh, speed skating world comes from training with my family.
0: Wow, that's f- fantastic! And so, where is your uh, where is your family based?
1: Seattle area. Seattle. So Northwest born and raised.
0: Huh? Wow. That's great. Too rainy and too cold. <laughs> I can, I can appreciate that. San Diego is, uh, is definitely a different environment.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. No, when it gets, when it gets to be 65 here, we're in jackets. So it's a, uh, sure. it's a little different here in San Diego.
0: Absolutely. Well, Mark Madison, everybody from Porchlight Realty in San Diego. Thanks so much for joining us today, Mark. Thank you for having me, man. You bet.